0: The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. We're in Pilgrim's Progress. All right. (laughs) I hope you have a copy of one form or the other. You need to delete from your mind all of the bad things that Daniel has said about the red copy. <laughs> or else we'll have to heavily discount them to get rid of them. <laughs> All right, well, let's, um, let's pray so that I can catch my um, mental breath here. Father, we thank you so much For that song that we just sang, come unto Jesus. And we pray that it wouldn't simply be a song that we sing. But that we would hear in it the gracious invitation. Of our gentle, loving King. To forgive us of our sins. And to give us life. And Father, we pray today that you would be in the midst of your people. Lord, we're going to do the same stuff we did last week and the week before, and the year before, and the decade before. Lord, we're going to seek your face through the ordinary means that you've given to us, and we pray that you would meet with us this day and do us good. And we ask this in the name that's above every name, the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so today what we're going to do, and Daniel will adjust the schedule, um, uh, because today what we're going to do is we'll cover Mr. Worldly Wise Man, and then next week we'll look at the Wicked Gate, all right? Um, So you pick up the Pilgrim's Progress, okay, best-selling book in English next to the Bible. which is absolutely stunning, all right? But you come to the Pilgrim's Progress, and you start to realize that Bunyan, John Bunyan, who wrote it, Daniel gave us a wonderful introductory biography, you start to realize that that Bunyan's theological perspectives and his theological context make Pilgrim's Progress a little baffling, for many modern readers, okay? Now, in fact, Bunyan's theological perspective and the theological context from which he writes is, is in a sense so out of step with contemporary evangelical thought that in many of the revisions of Pilgrim's Progress, they will change Bunyan's theology, we have we an have easy-to-read edition that we read with the kids when they were little, and um, it is, Christian makes a decision, and it is uh, infused with Arminianism. And, of course, Bunyan was anything but an Arminian. And so, as you come to Pilgrim's Progress, you have to realize, first of all, Bunyan was absolutely committed to the biblical truth that salvation is a work of divine grace. There is is no way a person is saved apart from the free, sovereign grace of God. And it was in in that context for Bunyan and, and virtually all of his contemporaries, the way that a person came to salvation was not simply by saying a prayer or simply raising their hand or simply filling out a card or walking in an aisle, okay? Uh, by the way, any, by any of that stuff to Bunyan and his contemporaries would have been absolutely absurd because salvation is a work of sovereign grace. And so Bunyan and his Contemporaries, virtually all of them, would have had a perspective of salvation that went went like this Um, God begins by his Spirit to to draw that sinner to himself. So at, at that stage, there's no such thing as a seeker. All right? you have to be drawn before you become a seeker, okay? So, so Bunyan and, um, and Owen and Goodwin and Watson, I mean, all of these guys would have believed that there is a drawing, and then, then there is an awakening. The awakening is not salvation itself. But it is, it is being awakened to the coming judgment, your own sin. It is being awakened to your own desperation. It's being awakened to your own helplessness. And actually, it is during this time that there also then is the idea of deep conviction. And of course, how does Bunyan convey the idea of deep conviction? The burden on his back. And so, what does Christian want more than anything? He wants the burden gone, all right? But it is that burden and that idea of, of conviction that then starts the sinner seeking Christ. And then conversion. Conversion. And so conversion itself, which is, conversion is both repentance and faith. Conversion ends up being the work of God. Now, does the sinner have to believe? And the answer is yes. Does the sinner have to repent? And the answer is yes. But a sinner who's dead in trespasses and sins can only repent and believe once he has been drawn, awakened, and Uh, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, okay? So, that context actually helps helps understand why Christian goes through so much trouble before he gets to the place of deliverance, okay? And in fact, next week, we'll We'll talk about the wicket gate, but here's, here's one of the big questions about the wicket gate. That is the narrow gate, the straight gate. And that is, so was Christian saved when he went through the narrow gate, right? And, um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in detail. But here's the other part of Bunyan's theological perspective, and that is the idea of perseverance. So, is Christian in danger On this journey. Yes. And in fact, sometimes he is in mortal danger. Right? And so Bunyan has a, and I think this is this is biblical, he has a perspective on perseverance, so that Christian must endure. Okay? He must endure. In other words, he has no option to get out of the slew of despond and go back. He has to go forward. Um, He he has to actually avoid being hit by the darts as he's standing there at the wicket gate. He has to avoid uh, being killed by Apollyon and so forth. And so Bunyan has a, a rigorous view of the perseverance of the saints. And so in a sense, the entirety of Pilgrim's Progress is about the perseverance of Christian all the way to the end. But here's the thing, even though he is in constant danger, here's the reality, he makes it to the celestial city. All right? That's, that's the point. So for Bunyan, must you persevere? The answer is yes. For Bunyan, will you be preserved? The answer is yes. In other words, all of the dangers, toils, and snares right we sing that all the time through many dangers toils and snares through all of that christian perseveres but at the end of the day it's because he's preserved okay and so uh, years ago there was um back in the 60s there were a, a number of guys who were who were baptistic who were discovering the doctrines of grace. And there were two brothers, John and Er Ernie Riesinger. And John gave his brother Ernie Pilgrim's Progress. And Ernie reads it, and he says to his brother John, he says, what's wrong with this Bunyan guy? Does he think you can lose your salvation or something? And John says to his brother well, he makes it to the celestial city, doesn't he? And that's the point. It's, it's, it's not sailing on flowery beds of ease. It's a battle. There's sweat, there's blood, there's tears, there's toil, there's depression, there's struggles with assurance. And so that ends up being a big part of Bunyan's uh, perspective is not only the necessity of perseverance, but then also the struggling with assurance. Now, you do understand that the minute that you believe that uh, salvation is a sovereign work of God by his grace, then then assurance is no longer just simply cite John 3.16 and put your name in there. Right? So that's what I was taught for assurance. So I am struggling with assurance. I'm 15 years old. How do I know I'm really saved? And uh, the guy says, um, just put your name in, so for God so loved, Brian, that if Brian believes, right, he'll never perish, and Brian will have eternal life. And he goes, there, you have assurance. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it sounded pretty good at the at the time, but you, you have to understand that there are, there are times when the the real, bona fide, genuine child of God wrestles with whether or not he's been truly born again. Okay, and of course. Christian is going to experience that very thing. So, Christian leaves the city of destruction, absolutely beautiful picture, his uh, wife and children are crying out after him, and he closes his ears, and, and he runs uh, off from the city of destruction to the wicket gate, saying, life, life, eternal life. He's followed by two neighbors. Anybody remember the two neighbors? Obstinate and... Pliable, all right? So Bunyan chooses his names for obvious reasons, all right? So obstinate, how far does he go along? All he wants to do is is do what? Bring Christian back to the city of destruction. So then he thinks Christian's an idiot, but then pliable, pliable goes along. Why does pliable go along? (laughs) What? Yeah, so he starts, he's like, oh, so hey, tell me about this uh, celestial city. And, and Christian starts describing it, and Pliable's like, that sounds great. Right? Who wouldn't want that? And so they start going on, and, um, but what's the fundamental difference between Christian and Pliable? The burden. Pliable has no burden. They fall into the slew of despond market, slew, slew, slew. All right? We're in America. <laughs> I don't care how they say it in England. All right? Fall into the slew of despond. And <clears throat> they both fall in. And, of course, what's what's Pliable's response as, the, as he's in the slew of despond? Okay, yeah, so I'm out of here. But it's like, oh, so is this the <laughs> glorious kingdom that you're talking about? So he gets out, but he goes... He gets out on the shore closest to City of Destruction. Bunyan's character is struggling through the slough because of his burden. But he keeps going the right direction. And as he goes the right direction, there's somebody there on the other side. And what's his name? Help! <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes there's no subtlety with Bunyan. This guy's name is Help, and he's going to stand there, and he helps Christian out, but it was his burden that made the slew of despond so scary. All right Now, once that happens, <clears throat> um, Christian comes out and help helps him. And uh, I would just point out, notice that help is only on the right side of the slough. There's no help getting out on the other side going back home. But then again, you don't need help to get out on the other side to go back home. So now he's about to meet another hindrance. Okay? And uh, George Cheevers, who's an uh, old, old-timer, he says, For now, Christian meets not with mud and mire, but with Mr. Worldly Wise Man from the great town of carnal policy, <laughs> who besets and waylays him with another gospel. Okay? Boy, this is, this is such, a good, such a good lesson from Bunyan. So Christian has, Christians become the talk of the town right? Everybody who leaves city of destruction and heads off to the celestial city becomes the talk of the town. And so uh, Mr. Worldly Wiseman has an inkling of him, right? He kind of knows who he is. And so he comes up to him and asks him this question. He says, "Whither away after this burdened manner or in English, where are you traveling with such a burdened manner? So he sees him going. Now, now, by the way, he he actually already knows. And Christian says, well, I'm going to to the wicked gate so I can get rid of this burden, right? Worldly wise men actually gives him some counsel. And so if you have the the, uh, authorized version on page 13, about two-thirds of the way down. You'll see in the margin Mr. Worldly Wiseman's counsel to Christian. He says, I would advise thee then that thou with all speed get thyself rid of thy burden, for thou wilt never be settled in thy mind till then, nor canst thou enjoy the benefits of the blessings which God hath bestowed upon thee till then, so I want to I just say, is that good advice? Get rid of this burden as quickly as possible. That's good advice. Is, it, it, is what he says true? Until you get rid of that burden, you'll actually never enjoy the benefit and the blessings, and you'll have no settled sense of peace. Is that true? Absolutely. So he gives him, actually gives him good counsel at that point. And Christian says in the original Elizabethan English, duh, duh yeah, I want to get rid of this burden. And so Christian says, but I I can't get it off. In other words, I can't do it by myself. And by the way, I don't know anybody that can help me. Therefore, I'm going this way as I told you that I may be rid of my burden. So Worldly Wiseman says, hey, you got to get rid of that thing as quickly as possible. And, and Christian says, I know that and I can't do it. And there's nobody that can help me. That's why I'm going to the wicked gate. Mr. Worldly Wiseman says, who told you that? Mm. Christian, a gentleman named evangelist, (laughs) worldly wise man, I love this. He says, beshrew him for his counsel. (laughs) There... Is not more da- there is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world that is that unto which he hath directed thee. Uh, now, by the way, I uh, beshrew him for his counsel. That is, I most certainly condemn him for his counsel. And then, worldly wise men then presses. So, so now, so, so, what is worldly wise men doing? He's actually sowing seeds of doubt that the wicked gate is how you get rid of your burden. Right? Real simple. Then he turns around and he says, not only, so, hey, who told you that? But then, how did you come to know about the burden? Christian says, from this book that's in my hand. And worldly wise men says, oh, you poor, pathetic soul. Okay. Now, what is what is what is Bunyan conveying through this? That is that the Holy Spirit works a work of conviction through the word of God. Right? Okay. When the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so... Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so Christian says, without doubt, look, um, I I know I have this burden because I've been reading the book. And so then worldly wise men says, well, you know, I got to tell you, that kind of stuff happens to people all the time when they start reading that book. (laughs) Yeah. Here's here's the problem, Worldly Wiseman says, is you got somebody that, uh, okay, they're well intended, but they start reading the book, and and, you know, the fact is, is that this stuff is just too high for people, and so then weak minds, by the way, does this sound like remotely familiar or relevant? So it's like weak-minded people read it and then take it seriously, (laughs) and then start to think, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner. Now, there is an interesting, I would say pay attention to the the marginal notes that are Bunyan's. So he says at this point, Mr. Worldly Wiseman does not like that men should be serious in reading the Bible. So, now at this point, he's sown the seed of doubt in terms of evangelist's message and the necessity to go through the wicked gate. He's now sown doubt into the idea that... um, that reading the Bible and feeling this burden is actually a a good idea. And now Worldly Wiseman is about to give the most deadly advice anybody could ever hear in this world, and that is, you can have heaven without all the trouble and danger. I got a way for you, way better than what you're doing. Cheevers again says, now see the advice of Mr. Worldly Wiseman And how it chimes in with the soul's desire for comfort rather than holiness, right? So, by nature, are you more wired to go the easy way or to choose the hard way? Okay, well, we're we're wired because of our fall in Adam, to choose the path of least resistance. And so all of a sudden, there is a sense in which, okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds good. And so so at this point, it's important to understand that what Bunyan does through these three characters, obstinate, pliable, and worldly wise men, and what he does through the slew of despond, and now what he's about to do through this advice, actually shows that that the beginning of the journey, the beginning of the Christian life is full of all kinds of opposition and all kinds of hindrances. You go from the hindrance, or I should say the obstacles of obstinate and in his own way pliable. You go through the obstacle of the slew of despond. But now there's about to be a hindrance for Christian that threatens for him to lose the gospel itself. So, um, the village is called Morality, okay? And there's a guy there by the name of Legality, okay? So the town of Morality is described for Christian, right? And it's like, "Hey, there's cheap housing there." Hey. Okay. Oh, and by the way, there's lots of really nice people, professional types, you know, who actually have make a very good living. And in fact, it's a here here it is. It's a respectable place and it's a comfortable place. You got to go there. Check it out. Because Mr. Legality actually he is, he is specially skilled in helping people like you get rid of that burden. And so then Worldly Wiseman says, so what you got to do is you got you to go to his house. This is kind of funny. Now, if you get to his house and he's not there, he has this um, pretty young man as a son yeah, named Civility. And he can help you too. You get in the picture, right? Legality, civility, live in the town of morality, very comfortable, respectable place. But So all you gotta do, all you gotta do to get to his house, so Bunyan, uh, so Christian says, oh, how do I get there? And Worldly Wiseman says, all right, so you see that hill? And Christian says, I can't help but to see that hill. <laughs> it's massive. And so Worldly Wiseman just says, Okay, it's really easy. You climb the hill, he's the first house on the left. What's the hill? What's that? (laughs) It's Sinai, representing the law. Worldly wise men has basically told him the respectable way to get to heaven is actually to just be a law keeper. Now, this is awesome. So Christian is, like, duped. Sounds good. The guy's nice. Seems to know what he's talking about. By the way, can young Christians be gullible? Yes. Can young Christians be gullible to the people that come and knock on their doors on Saturday mornings? Yes. Can young Christians be gullible to the guy at work who seems to know way, way more about the Bible than he does, and yet he is a cult member or something, right? And the answer is yeah. So here's Christian, and so he starts to head towards the mountain. So he, he, he treks right up to the mountain, and as he gets there, he's like, this is a weird mountain. It's like, it's like hanging over me. And it frankly, it feels like it's about to fall on me and crush me. I mean, it's it's it is looming, it's it's threatening, and then he notices you know, the closer I've got to this thing, the heavier my burden gets. Oh, ho, ho. I just want to say Bunyan is a genius. Okay? And then the thunder and lightning comes. And Christian thinks I'm gonna be burned up. So I think that what Bunyan has in mind here is the, is the Hebrews 12. You've not come to Mount Sinai to the thunder and the lightning, right? And the idea of this awesome presence and judgment of God. And so what is what is Christian experiencing here? This looming threat, this idea I'm gonna be crushed, I'm gonna be burned up, the, the burden is getting heavier. What Christian is experiencing is the terrors of the law. We sing sometimes, hail, sovereign love, and there's a verse in there that I think Bunyan would have greatly approved of. Indignant justice stood in view to Sinai's fiery mount I flew, but justice cried with frowning face, this mountain is no hiding place. No refuge. There's no safety in Sinai. Okay? And in order to get to that respectable place of the town of morality, you have to climb the mountain. And then lo and behold, evangelist comes to the rescue. I, I, you got you got to love the picture, right? Um, um, so here's Christian. And his burden is weighing him down. He's terrified that he's going to be consumed by fire or the mountain's gonna fall on him. And all of a sudden, Evangelist is standing there. You know, the point is the gospel to the rescue. The gospel to the rescue. And so Evangelist comes to him with his very indignant manner, right? And he says, What are you doing here? <laughs> Aren't you the guy <laughs> that I that was bawling his eyeballs out as you left the city of destruction and I told to go to the wicked gate? Aren't you aren't you that guy? And Christian of course is embarrassed, he's humiliated, he's humbled because in that moment that evangelist shows up, he realizes what a fool he's been in trying to get rid of that burden by going up the hill to Mr. Legality. Now, this ends up starting a a discussion. And so evangelist, Daniel mentioned last week that most Bunyan scholars think that evangelist is fashioned after Bunyan's own pastor. I think it was John Gifford, right? And um, and so there he is, and he says... um, Who gave you the advice to get off the straight and narrow and come over up this way? Christian says, well, there was this guy and he told me that I could could quickly get rid of my burden and I could do it by following his better and shorter way evangelist begins to exhort christian and it's really it's really worth reading this is on page 18 then said evangelist stand still a little that i may shew thee the words of god so notice Evangelist does not immediately tell him, hey, get out, you know, get away from the mountain, get away from the danger. He just says, you just stand there, and you listen, and I'm going to tell you about God's word. And so Christian stands there trembling, right? And notice evangelist does not feel the necessity to immediately alleviate his trembling, Then said Evangelist, see that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. He said, moreover, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. He also did thus apply them, thou art the man that are running into this misery. Thou hast begun to reject the counsel of the Most High and to draw back thy foot from the way of peace, even almost to the hazarding of thy perdition. So what is evangelist telling him? Well, First of all, he's telling him, listen, you better make sure that you don't refuse him who speaks. Right? Do not refuse him who speaks. Do you think that if you actually ignore him, and go your own way, that there will not be severe consequences. The just live by faith, Christian, but the one who pulls back, the one who draws back, God's soul has no pleasure in him. And then he says, thou art the man. Where's that from? Nathan's confrontation of David. Thou art the man. And he says, thou art the man running into misery. You've begun to reject the counsel. You've begun to draw back from the way of peace. You've, you have brought yourself right to the, right to the precipice of, of perdition. Now, what, what, is, what, is, what is evangelist doing here? He, he wants to make sure that Christian not just understands, but feels the weight of what he's just done. You know, there's a difference between acknowledging having taken a bad path and feeling the weight of having taken that path. And so evangelist is, as it were, Driving home the threats, and actually this is a warning. Then he starts to warn of Mr. Worldly Wiseman, and this is what he says, and this is absolute brilliance. He says, he loves the doctrine of this world, hence Mr. Worldly Wiseman. Therefore, he always goes to the town of morality to church. So what kind of church (laughs) does Worldly Wiseman go to? What's that? (laughs) No comment. I'm thinking it though, but no comment. He goes to a church that's respectable. He goes to a church that's comfortable. He goes to a church that tells him what he needs to do in this life to be a good person. Are there plenty of churches like that in this world? Absolutely. And so, why does he love this doctrine? So, Evangelist says the reason he loves this doctrine is because it saves him from the cross. Wow! Wow! It saves him from the cross. And so George Chevers again says, if a man seems to get rid of his burden by morality in part, he does not rest on the atonement at all. And just so, the men who hate the great truth of justification by faith because that cuts off all worldly pride and kills sin and self utterly will often now avow that hatred plainly but say that men must be justified by faith and works together. In other words, what uh, what, what evangelist is saying about worldly wise men is that it is his pride that drives him to be a part of the respectable church, the comfortable church, the church where you, where you actually do stuff to get to heaven. By the way, salvation by works is always driven by pride. Always. All you have to do is think about the Pharisees. Driven by pride. And so, why in the world would someone want to be saved from the message of the cross because it slays sin and self. The cross actually says you can't do anything for your own salvation. This has to be the work of God in Jesus Christ. You can't atone for your own sins, you can't achieve your own righteousness. And so, People want to be saved from the message of the cross because it's an offense it's a stumbling block it is an offense to their pride and what does uh what does legality say legality says, forget the cross, climb the mountain okay. now evangelist is going to say he's he's instructing Christian now, and he's going to say there's three things that you have to abhor about this man's counsel okay and I want to point out that evangelist doesn't just say. You have to understand that people have different points of view. Our point of view is a little different than worldly wise men's point of view. But you know, we should mutually respect one another. Okay? It's not what evangelist does. He says, "I'm going to tell you what you have to hate about what this guy teaches." Okay, boy, Mr. Civility lives. Right? Okay? So, evangelist is, is now about to show him three things. First, Christian, you have to abhor his turning you out of the way. Right? So, narrow is the gate, straight is the way that leads to life. Christian, understand, you have to hate the fact that he turned you off of that narrow way. Anybody, anything that would turn you off of that narrow way from pursuing Christ is an enemy to your soul. Number two, you have to abhor his laboring to render the cross odious to you. you. You have to think about his teaching and despise what he just tried to do. He tried to give you a salvation without a cross. He tried to make that cross look foolish to you, make that cross look odious to you. You have to despise it. You, the cross is everything, right? The world is nothing, okay? And so the third thing is, he says, you have to hate his setting thy feet in the way that leadeth to the administration of death. And so what is, what is uh, uh, evangelist talking about when he says uh, the administration of death? What's that? Yeah, he's, it, this, is a, this is an allusion to Second Corinthians 3, 7 through 11, where you have the law is a ministry of death and a ministry of condemnation or an administration of death and an administration of condemnation. And so, Evangelist says, you have to abhor everything this guy taught you because if you would have believed it, you would have gone the way of perdition. If you would have believed it, you would have blasphemed the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and the cross by which he paid for our sins. So, nothing good about Mr. Worldly Wiseman. Evangelist calls him out. And so notice Bunyan emphasizes that we have to abhor, we have to hate teaching that leads us away to the cross, leads us away from the cross, and leads us to our own works. And so, Cheevers again, he says, therefore, Mr. Worldly Wiseman, Wy- oh, no, this is, uh, this is evangelist. I love this part. He says, therefore, this is his conclusion, therefore, Mr. Worldly Wiseman is an alien. That is, he's an alien guide, and Mr. Legality, a cheat. And for his son's civility, notwithstanding his simpering looks. Ha, <laughs> His, his little grin, okay? He's but a hypocrite and he cannot help you, okay? Evangelist gives a sort of a summary statement. This is at the bottom of page 20. It says, after this, evangelist called aloud to the heavens for confirmation of what he had said. And with that, there came words and fire out of the mountain Under which poor Christian stood, that made the hair of his flesh stand up. The words were thus pronounced. As many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So why does, why does evangelist then, at this moment, after going through this instruction, keep, by the way, keeping Christian there um, in, under, in a sense, the terror of the law, he then turns around and he calls for heaven to confirm what he just said. And then, not only that, heaven confirms what he just said with what? With fire, okay? Christian's standing there, and his hair stands on end. And then he hears the words, Galatians 3.10, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all these things that are written in the book of the law to do them. And so, do you think that this was a good lesson for Christian? Do you think he is ready to get out from underneath that looming threat of Sinai? Do you think that with that final confirmation, he is absolutely convinced this is, in fact, the wrong way? Right? Okay. So, does Mr. Evangelist do him good? Absolutely. Christian comes under immediate conviction, by the way. (laughs) Wouldn't you? (laughs) So I, I, I want to I just draw something out pretty quickly. We're running out of time, but, but here it is. So he gets close to the mountain. The burden feels heavier. Let's just say this. Evangelist shows up. The burden feels heavier. Okay. So well, evangelist is the gospel. Why would it? It's the kindness of God. It leads you to repentance. And so here he is, the fool, having gone the wrong way, trying to do it himself, he feels The weight of his burden getting heavier, now all of a sudden evangelist who told him about the wicked gate over that way is now standing right there and there is a deeper sense of conviction. By the way, is that not often the case that it is the very kindness and sweetness and tenderness and grace of God that brings a much deeper sense of conviction? And so then, of course, uh, evangelist's words are confirmed with with fire, and he hears you can't be justified by the works of the law. You're under the curse if you are. And so then Christian then asks the most natural question, can my sins be forgiven? In other words, have I actually made such a fatal choice that now I'm done? Have have you ever asked yourself... Maybe, as a new Christian, have I just sinned away god 's grace irreparably? <laughs> yeah here I am i 'm fourteen years old i 'm like reading my Bible, and i am I, and I pray, and God had changed my heart. And I'm, I'm reading the Living Bible Catholic Edition, which I wouldn't recommend, but God used it in his own ways. And uh, and I get to the book of Hebrews and I start reading, and Hebrews in the Living Bible is absolutely dreadful, and I get absolutely convinced I'm I'm done. I, I send away God's grace. Send it away. And I was in absolute misery. Okay. And so I was at a friend's house when this happened and I go home and I say to my dad, I go, Um, what's what's the unpardonable sin? My dad says. Well, it's saying bad stuff about the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, saying bad stuff about the Holy Spirit. Oh. Oh. And that's not forgivable, right? Nope. McGee says it's not forgivable. And I'm thinking, well, Jesus actually said it wasn't forgivable. And uh, I'm absolutely convinced. I'm done. Toast. So I decide I'll keep reading, maybe find some comfort. So I read James, fat chance. Okay, so, so all that to say, when Christian, when Christian says... But can my sins be forgiven now? Evangelist doesn't whitewash it, does he? He says, you've actually committed two evils. First, you forsook the way that was good. You abandoned the way to the wicked gate. And second, you pursued forbidden paths. You tried to get there in a way that God says, you shall not ever go that way. And then Evangelist says this, nevertheless the guy at the gate will welcome you. His name is Goodwill. I love this. Evangelist doesn't just say, well, of course you can be forgiven. Of course you can be forgiven. I know that you're saved. Evangelist actually says, okay, well, let's think about this. Yeah, your, your, your sin is grave. Two terrible errors. Doesn't whitewash it. But that guy at the gate... Mr. Goodwill, He's got a heart for people like you. But be careful. Do not turn away again. Absolutely beautiful, but actually just bring you to tears. Evangelist tenderly sends him on his way, kissed him, encouraged him with a smile and commended to God's keeping. (laughs) Wow. You have to love it. You have to love it. If you don't like pilgrim's progress, you need to be born again. (laughs) So Bunyan actually shows here how faithful gospel ministers both warn and encourage pilgrims on the way. So, George Cheevers again says, The mingling of reproof and encouragement with which evangelists comforted the penitent is exquisitely wise and beautiful. A rare pastor Bunyan found in holy Mr. Gifford to be able to draw so sweet and grave a character from real life. So, we're out of time, but what are the lessons that we learn from Mr. Worldly Wiseman City of Carnal Policy, Mr. Legality, The Hill, and Evangelist. The way of works is absolutely, most definitely, the wrong way. Right? What other lessons do you think he can draw? Okay, not easy, that's for sure. God has great mercy. Eh, Mr. Goodwill, he'll still let you in, right? God has great mercy. And God's mercy is also demonstrated in sending evangelists at just the right time, right? Great mercy from God. There's one more lesson that I want to mention. Be careful who you listen to, okay? Be careful who you listen to. You know, Bunyan didn't live in the day of the internet, just in case you didn't know. But what is, this, what, is, what is one of the lessons here? Be careful who you listen to. Okay. To be honest with you, I am surprised at times. But Christians who have sat under sound teaching for years will say, oh, I was reading this or listening to this. And you have to say, are you out of your gourd? Okay? Okay? How does Joyce Myers fit with John Bunyan, let alone the Bible? All right? By the way, we could start a long list right here, and it wouldn't just be the typical evil people. All right? But be careful who you listen to. Christian is turned out of the way because Mr. Worldly Wise Man seemed so Wives. Well, what a great section. Next week we'll get to the wicket gate at last. And um, and so as you read that section, just a few pages, ask yourself, so is he saved here or not? What's going on, right? And uh, ask who Mr. Goodwill represents, and we will pick it up next week. And I will tell you, I am absolutely thankful for John Bunyan's imprisonment. If John Owen would have had his way and exerted the influence he wanted to exert, Bunyan would have been released from prison. Was it unjust that Bunyan was in prison? The answer is, of course. But God's ways are not our ways. And because Bunyan spent those years in prison, we have the Pilgrim's Progress. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your servant, John Bunyan. Thank you for his... Uh, Lord, just his down-to-earth way of telling the story and communicating truth and theology. And Father, we pray that this has been good for our souls today. May we learn from it. Lord, may we, may we see past the, the clever names and the story and see the truth. And uh, we just give you thanks. We pray that you'd meet with us mightily in the hour to come. Lord, we pray that we would leave here changed. In Jesus' name, amen.